Blog Talk Radio. Aloha, this is Blog Talk Radio. This is actually BC Radio Live, a presentation of blogcritics.org, and we are hosted on Blog Talk Radio. We come at you every Wednesday evening, normally at 6 p.m. Eastern. This is a truncated 30-minute edition uh, airing at 6.30 Eastern Live. But the wonder of Blog Talk Radio is that you can listen anytime. You can listen morning, noon, or night, have it delivered to you via podcast, and uh, enjoy it at your leisure. I am Philip Wynn. I'm uh, the this week the host of BC Radio Live, our normal host and uh, fearless leader, Eric Olson, is away this week. But I am joined this week tonight by uh, blogcritics.org's executive editor, Lisa McKay. Hello, Lisa. Hi, Philip. How are you this week? Well, I uh, I guess I'm I'm doing well. I'm off a little bit of a, a high, having gone to see Coldplay in concert last night. I know, I know you disapprove, but I I hope to uh, I hope to change your mind in the future. Well, and since since we have a musical guest tonight, you can probably gang up on me. <laughs> well, that is true. We do have a very special guest tonight. We have Connie Phillips, who is the senior music editor for blogcritics.org. Uh, welcome to the show, Connie. Hello. How are you guys doing? Hi, Hi Connie. We are, we are doing very well. Um, now, Connie, you've been around a while. You, your first article was published with Blog Critics, I see, back in 2005. So that makes you a, a long-termer, four years with us. And you've published... Do you even know how many articles you've published? Oh, I know it's quite a bit. From when I was doing the general hospital every day, it, it really racked up the number. <laughs> 500, 578. Wow. Yeah, I didn't even realize it was that high myself. <laughs> <laughs> that That is a lot of writing. So there's plenty of, uh, plenty of Connie to be found on the site. Uh, she did, in fact, uh, do, uh, document general hospital daily for quite some time. Lately, she's back to more music. So I see... Music interviews, music reviews, music news, and quick quick question before we really get started, Connie. How do you feel about Coldplay? Um, I like them. Yeah, I'm not I'm not a huge fan, but you know I I do. They're they're good. Go ahead. No, no, no. You go right ahead, and I'll I'll fill you in on my experience later. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, I I just. Truly, like just about, I mean, not just about, but just so many different styles of music. So, yeah, I could be listening to Coldplay one minute and, you know, jazz the next. And it's it's kind of difficult to find something that I absolutely positively hate. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's usually good. It, it uh, It makes for easy, easy experiences finding something to enjoy. Well, I, yeah. I wouldn't have called myself a Coldplay fan before about last night. I, I guess my exposure to them was, I mean, I owned at least one of their albums, but I basically knew the songs that were on the radio and kind of put them in a, in a very, you know, easy listening songs for 14-year-old girls uh, category. Yeah. But, uh, my, my, my poor brother had a date fall through, and uh, he had an extra Coldplay ticket. So what the heck? I generally enjoy live shows and uh, I, I'm glad I went because I think I think I'm a new fan. I, I've been I've been listening to them. I listened to them for like a day and a half on repeat before the concert just to remind myself what their songs were like. And, I, uh, so with it. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I only knew like how, well. There's yellow. That one's all over the radio. Uh, Fix you. That's the 14 year old girl song. Uh, 
I don't know. And then, of course, Viva La Vida, the, the new one, which uh, which I actually am pretty impressed with, especially since, in my mind, I think it's about former President George W. Bush, and I, I think it's uh, I think it's it's I mean nominally it's about a crusader, right? But right. I, I think it's pretty impressive actually that uh, Chris Martin, the uh, songwriter and lead singer for Coldplay, managed to pen such a such a sympathetic lyric for someone he clearly despises, if, if in fact my theory is correct, and that's, that song's about George Bush. Anyway, so <laughs> it turns out live, the, the, guys are, the guys are pretty amazing musically, and they put on a great show, I mean, you know, great gimmicks, I guess, everybody's got gimmicks, it's amazing how many of them were stolen from U2, in my opinion, but that's fine, that's another subject. Well, I, I think <laughs> when you see any artist live, it gives you a new appreciation for them, and you, you pick up things you maybe don't when you're listening to the recording. You know, I, I yeah, think that's I, really I, true. I, and I, I think that um, any artist that performs well gets across to an audience, even if it's not an audience that's necessarily keyed into that particular artist. Yeah. Ah, right, right. I, I, think I, 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 I have a coworker and a friend from church who are both in different really, really hardcore metal band, doom metal, actually, stoner rock bands, and that is that is very much not my chosen genre, uh, but, you know, it's my friend, it's my church mate, so I go and I see their band, it's better when they're playing at the same gig, because I, I spend less time, but it's interesting, because I, I ended up seeing probably a dozen different really, really hardcore metal bands, none of which I would have ever gone to see on purpose, and I'd say about half of them managed to actually interest me. You know, I, I, I kind of get into the music. I can, I can see it. I can, you know, they, they've got a good stage presence. They, they do a good job. The other half don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, we should, we should probably also mention while we're talking about Connie that she heads one of the sites. I'd probably go so far as to say it's the site's very busiest section. Oh, and yes. yeah, we, we get a lot of traffic. It's <laughs> a lot of traffic. Published too. And I, one of the things that's always interested me about our music section, which has a, a, an amazing amount of really good writing in it, is the breadth of stuff that gets covered. Yeah, I think that is what's really kind of special about compared to maybe some of the other mainstream or other websites, is we truly cover about everything um, from what's really popular to something that's really, really obscure that you maybe wouldn't have heard of otherwise unless you'd stumble across a certain person's review or, or on um, that site. Yeah, yeah. Right, so you've got, your, you've got your sites that cover the, the pop, the cold play, the Michael Jackson. You've got your sites like Pitchfork that don't cover anything that more than 200 people have heard. Uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but, it, but it takes blog critics to run the gamut. I think the nice the nice thing is that we don't have the the uh, attitude that some of the other music sites bring into it. I mean, you know, Pitchfork's got that whole thing going on, you know, like right, they right. Really pretty much look down their noses at most stuff. The and music snobbery. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Connie, do you get do you have the time to go to very many live concerts these days? Oh, not recently. Um, it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going through a phase, especially when I was writing a lot of reviews, that I would go to 
some of our local venues to see, you know, different things coming through, the live music and that. Especially when I was doing the featured artists, they, I would do a lot of the live shows. But it's, it's been a really busy time for me lately, so it's been hard to get out. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm finding I'm finding that um ticket prices this summer are amazing. Yeah, I think that's an, I mean, I guess you would have kind of expected with the economy the way it was that things would come down, but they're not <laughs> at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I was looking to see uh Steely Dan in New York at the end of the month and the second price tier for the tickets is $174 a piece. Wow. And, yeah, I just thought, wow, I know that's going to be a really good show, but do I really want to spend over $300 plus, you know, the cost of traveling back and forth to the city? Right. You get a drink or two before and after, and, yeah, you (laughs) could blow your month's budget doing that. Yeah, you'd kind of think that they'd be wanting to lower the prices just a little bit and fill the seats. Right. That would yeah. that would be my way of thinking, but apparently well, not. Well, I, I mean, it's like like anything with a really, really, I mean, it's supply and demand, right? If they can sell out at the higher prices, I guess there's no need to cut them. So but are we, they selling out? I guess that's something I haven't been following. Are these big shows selling out in this economy? Well, this well, one I know is that. Oh, see, now it's interesting, because I know U2 has been setting records. They're selling out, you know, 85,000-seat venues in, you know, minutes and having to add new shows in a couple of cities. And so, I mean, I paid, well, I, too much, triple digits, you know, for, for a couple of tickets to a couple of U2 shows. And, well, yeah, uh, okay, yeah. we're talking U2, but what about some of maybe the mid-line, mid-list, mid-line, and yeah. how they're doing? <laughs> I, think, I think I haven't paid for my tickets. Like I said, my, my, my brother's date fell through, but I'm pretty sure Coldplay was 35 uh, last night at a at a decent venue, I've paid more and less to see bands at that particular venue. Was the venue but full? Now, oh yeah, very full, very full. So and it's got it's open lawn seating, and it was still pretty crowded. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I you know I wouldn't say prices have gone up, at least that I've seen, but prices don't seem to have gone down either. There were some uh, employees of a ticketing agent with shall rename nameless because I hate them. Uh, walking around with signs, (laughs) a live nation, okay. Um, They were walking around with, you know, poster board signs asking me about how to get $10 concert tickets and apparently taking advantage of the the audience that was already there in a concert frame of mind to try to push Creed tickets for $10. Um, (laughs) When I first saw the sign, I thought, oh, I might be able to sit through Creed if they pay me $10, but it turned out they were... (laughs) I'm sorry. Music snobbery. I, I can't help it. I, I I probably feel the same way that you do about them, Philip. I, I yeah. I I mean I, I heck I'm a Coldplay and U2 fan, so so you know it's not like I can really look down my nose at a lot of people, but anybody can look down their nose at Creed. I mean I think Jonas Brothers fans can look down their nose at Creed fans. Hmm. I don't uh, know. I'm Connie, Connie, you're not a Creed fan, are you? Oh. <laughs> no. I mean, they've had a couple of radio hits that you know that are okay, but no, I wouldn't call myself a Creed fan. So. <laughs> I would have rather have gone to the Coldplay concert for sure. <laughs> I, I have to admit that part of my dislike of Coldplay probably stems from the fact 
that my husband kind of sort of likes them. And (laughs) the the Venn diagram of our musical taste has a a relatively small area of interlap, overlap. Who's Springsteen? Springsteen, he likes Elvis Costello. Uh, We both like. We both like a lot of the same, uh, like, jazz and classical and, you know, oh, okay. that type of stuff. But his... But, but you love Britney Spears, and he just, he's a Christina Aguilera girl? There, oh, there you go. There you go. Our, our, taste, our taste in popular music is probably fairly, fairly divergent in that gotcha. he listens. He, he likes a lot of the... Uh, sort of, you know, solo singer-songwriter type of thing, which I don't really mm-hmm. I don't really go in for all that much. And then there's the bluegrass, which, you know, I can take in very small doses. Yeah. <laughs> but it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, yeah. Um, some bluegrass is better than others. <laughs> yes. yes. Well, I don't <laughs> like any genre, but yeah. I think that's true. I tend to like the more uh, traditional stuff rather than some of the... Although I've heard some what they call new grass mm-hmm. that's, that's not bad. Um, uh, have, of, have you heard anything from Nickel Creek, not to be confused with another band I looked down on? <laughs> <laughs> I believe I have. Yeah. Um, I, I'm quite a fan. The one that's coming, Bluegrass is coming to mind that I really enjoy is Allison Crow. Um, yes. Really oh, yeah. Yes. Excellent um, stuff. So, Connie, apart from all of your BC stuff, um, are you up for talking about your, your, your other writing endeavors a little bit? Oh, sure. Because <laughs> what people, you know, don't know about you is that apart from all of your music writing at Blog Critics is you write fiction, mm-hmm. yeah. and I and I know that I know that it's it's um, genre fiction, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, paranormal us, romance, yeah. I, I dig vampires and werewolves and things that go bump in the night, kind of. That's so. exciting. So <laughs> you have you don't have to like spill the beans about anything that you're working, you know, that you have in progress that you don't want to talk about, but would you like to talk about any of your work in progress? Um, well, but what I, you know, Lisa, and I, I almost feel so aware, and I spent the last week in Washington, D.C. at the RWA National Conference and was pitching, and I just completed, um, it's called Fairy Proof. It's kind of a, with the fairies and the whole power play and, um, a little bit dark, uh, fun stuff. <laughs> so, what goes on at those writers' conferences? You obviously found them, find them very. Uh, I know that you mentioned that you came back from it feeling very energized. What? How are they set up? How do they work? Well, it, it's it was Thursday, Friday, three days of workshops that are you know given by industry professionals, editors, agents. And then other multi-published authors that you know teach different classes, everything from craft to you know how to publish yourself, how to market yourself on the web, and that's all and all well and good. But just being in room, you know, in this hotel with two thousand other writers, and the people, other people don't really understand. I think writers we're kind of a unique. <laughs> uh, if you don't write, you don't create. 
you just don't get how, you know, you think, oh, geez, you know, what does a dead body look like after it's been in the freezer for two weeks? You know, other people are going to look like a little nuts. <laughs> yeah. You know, I would, I would speaking as a, as a guy, I would, I would mock the paranormal fiction thing if we'd, say, had this conversation a year and a half ago. But um, then, then I discovered True Blood, the show mm-hmm. on HBO. Yeah. And then I discovered the books that inspired the show. And I, I, I have to admit, yeah, so as much as I'm sure paranormal romance fiction writers tend to probably hate Charlene Harris, I, I have to say I, I can't make fun anymore. I, 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 like <laughs> um, I haven't. I I tend to watch the True Blood on the video on demand, and I haven't caught up with this season. But yeah, I was I loved last season. It was really good. So I'm looking for maybe this weekend to do my marathon and catch up. Because <laughs> I heard lots of good things. How did you get How did you get interested in the genre to start with? Um. Just a lot of time I had a thing for vampires. That's where it started. So, you know, Anne Rice and, and um, you know, along those lines and just started playing with it and writing it and um, stumbled across, you know, the different different writers' groups and different and, and just kept playing with it. Um, I, lo- I like vampires, too. Yeah, it, it, I was, you know, you get you hear things like, oh, you know, it's the lots of flooded with the vampires, too many vampire stories. But then, you know, I just don't think so. I just don't, I mean, in this, this last week we hear, no, 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 you know, if you got a good one, a different one, you know, the, people are hungry for them. It's, I don't know what, I can't explain what the attraction is, just know that it's there. Yeah, no. Well, it's interesting to think how many people would say, for example, we just had way too many human stories written. We've got to cut it out with <laughs> <Yeah>. all these <laughs> all these romances involving humans. Aren't people tired of that? Let's go for... I was, you know, you, I was, mentioned, you mentioned a fairy romance. The other book that leaps into my mind is something I read uh, years ago and, and very much enjoyed, which it occurs to me is probably a fairy romance, is a Little Big by the author whose name I can't remember, but I know it was it was a bestseller for a few years. I don't know that it would have been considered a, a genre, a genre yeah, work at the time, but it is, yeah, it is fairies and it is romance. So, hmm. I think it's unfortunate that genre literature doesn't get the respect it deserves because some of the best Ooh. books that I've read have have been genre fiction. And I, think I think this. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm interrupting. I think it should be treated better than it is. You know. Um, yeah. Well, with romantic fiction, what people don't realize is 50% of all fiction books sold are from that genre, and 25% of all books sold are from that genre. Really? And I think yes. I think a lot of wow. people think of the, you know the whole the bodice ripper or the um, you know, damsel and distress the town, and it's really not that way. I mean, the only thing that you can say is really um, true to any romance you're going to read is the happily ever after. You know, that's really, you know, otherwise, I mean, I think, you know, there's all forms, all stories, uh, you know, strong heroines, you know, alpha male heroes, not so alpha male heroes, you know. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think that's the the one thing that because um, I've I've read Anne Rice's books too, which I found very entertaining. And I think one of the things that draws me to them is that the female characters tend to be great, and you don't always get that in a lot of you know regular uh, human oriented, as Philip put it. <laughs> but, <laughs> A new a new meme. I look forward to seeing this one spread. Yes, human <laughs> human literature. <laughs> I, 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 let me back up. By the way, I think that the real problem with genre fiction is, um, you know, there's a famous science fiction writer named Theodore Sur- Sturgeon who who coined what's now called Sturgeon's Law, which is stated very simply is, ninety percent of everything is crap. So, yeah. you know, when yeah. you look at the uh, genre shelves and you see the, the box rippers and you pick up a couple and, you know, they're crap because all oh, nine out of ten are, it's easy to dismiss the entire genre. Although, much like people don't think that there are too many human romances, see, nobody would ever say 90% of literary fiction is crap, but it is. <laughs> yeah, well, I think everything has its audience, too. I mean, there's people who, and within romance fiction, there's, you know, hundreds of different sub-genres, and, and that was kind of the thing to keep, try to keep my head straight and wrapped around. I guess the new term and what they're predicting is going to be really hot coming up the next year is steampunk. I'm like, what in the world is steampunk? I've, been, I've never heard that before. Oh, uh, um, I love steampunk. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the comparison that was made to me was Wild Wild West, the movie. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Which, yeah, I mean, I find that entertaining, but yeah, it was, it was a term I hadn't heard yet. <laughs> oh, well. But apparently, it, album, it, you know, the publishers are looking for it, so. Well, it, the funny thing about that is it's actually a sub-genre of alternate history fiction, which is itself a sub-genre of science fiction. So mm-hmm. we're now three sub-genres deep, and, you know, the student has become the master, it seems. Everybody's writing, selling, packaging, pushing steampunk. Very odd. Yeah. Jim Jim likes alternative. Jim reads a lot of science fiction and um, occasionally passes on stuff to me that he thinks I'll like. And I, I hadn't really read much of it before, but, you know, one of the things I like, I like a lot of fantasy literature, and one of the things that really strikes me when you go into a brick-and-mortar bookstore is how they've got all of the horror, the science fiction, and the fantasy all sort of lumped together willy-nilly on one aisle. Yeah. Which You're having very different books all lumped together. (laughs) Exactly, exactly, which makes it very difficult to actually just sort of, you know, browse by genre if you're interested in kind of like zeroing in on something really specific. Uh, and the other thing that's interesting is that more established writers who do write genre fiction tend not to get put on those same shelves. And one of the examples that I can think of off the top of my head is Margaret Atwood, who's written some literary fiction and some very good science fiction. And you almost always have to go to the regular literature aisle to find her on the shelves. So I'm always yeah. very, I'm always very confused as to how they actually decide to classify these things. Well, my, my one reason I love 
online shopping. I just love the concept of tags. You know, why, why, you know, so something is science fiction or romance or mystery or literary fiction, why can't it be all four? Well, because in a physical bookstore, you've got to put it in one section or the other. But uh, it, the, the indie bookstore I go to that I love, up to Legacy You have books, one left in your neighborhood? In, in yeah. Oh, yes. It's, one, it's actually just opened like a year and a half ago. It's this big old 35,000 feet monstrosity. But they have, the mezzanine level is most of their genre fiction. And it's from right to left, science fiction, fantasy, romance. And so the supernatural, paranormal romance stuff, it, it literally sits on an end cap between <laughs> oh, the science fiction and fantasy and the romance. It's perfect. Uh, <laughs> they built the store after, you know, paranormal romance actually became a thing. So We actually have a couple of independent bookstores in our neck of the woods, too. I know that they're really... They're really few and far between these days, but boy, you know, they're going away of the independent record, the independent record store, which is sad. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Our our feeling is that if we if we can find a book in a local bookstore, we'll buy it there just to like do our little part to help them stay in business. Yeah. I was just uh, for for work for blog critics. Uh, I was just actually out in San Francisco, the Bay Area. And there's an indie bookstore in Menlo Park called Kepler's. So I, I made sure while I was there to spend 40 bucks to do my part to try to keep them going. I love indie bookstores. It's the only yeah. thing I like paying full price for. <laughs> Any other interesting, you know, discussions that were being held last week? That's another comparison to music. Is the idea that the ebook and the Kindle book are going to replace books like digital music? And I guess my thought of digital music hasn't replaced the CD yet. So I don't really see us going, at least not tomorrow, where there's no more print books. I think it will be a very sad thing if that happens. But, um, I, think I, 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 I suspect there will never be no print books, but I, I'm waiting for uh, someone to try to make the environmental case that books fill trees. Um, that's, <laughs> we, we may see a little bit of take-up then. Actually, we've talked about this a few times, Lisa and I and Eric, um, and I actually have, I've made some Kindle progress since our last update. I, I'm a noted skeptic on this site. But uh, Chris Anderson, who's an editor for Wired, recently released a book called Free, in which he argues that free is a new economic model that will take over the world uh, by storm, and is doing so, in fact. And putting his money where his mouth is, uh, they released, free for free on the Kindle. So I did what every good right-thinking geek should do and downloaded it onto the free Kindle app on my phone, making it the go. only thing <laughs> only thing in that whole bit that I paid for. And actually, actually, my last iPhone was given to me by my former employer, so if I had done it early enough, I could have just done the whole thing for free. I have to admit, it's a decent reading experience. I hate to admit it. And this is, you know, this isn't the actual Kindle. This is, you know, this is the, the iPhone Kindle, but it's kind of convenient to just pull the thing out of my pocket and read like six pages, which are little tiny, tiny pages formatted to fit the screen, and then, oh, time's up, close it, put it back in my pocket. It's yeah, I actually just recently jumped in and got myself a Kindle, and I'm still, you know, I, I like it, I do, but I go back and put them. Things that you, I mean, would I take my Kindle to the beach? No, I paid too much for it. Oh, <laughs> so, oh, <exactly. laughs> 
would I read that. my Kindle in the bathtub? Uh, no. Um, so, yeah, there's things that books aren't, it has its place. And Well, I, as, as, we, uh, as we talk, my, my studio here, my office has, uh, I don't know, right now probably about 1,200, 1,300 books lining the walls, stacked in boxes. Uh, yeah, I, I'm a fan of books. I like them. We have no more shelf space left in our house, so while the idea of the Kindle is certainly appealing from a storage point of view, I really like holding a book in my hands a whole lot. Mm -hmm. Right. I like the L. See, right now I'm reading Neil. I'm reading Traffic by Tom Vanderbilt, and it's a pretty sizable hardback book. And every now and then I think, all right, it's just a little too big. The bigger the book, the more I want to put it on my little handheld phone. The the, the paperbacks, the smaller paperbacks. Oh, no, I, I don't ever want to give those. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Some bigger books are very uncomfortable to read in bed, which is actually a problem exactly. that I have because I, I, like I like to usually read a chapter before I go to sleep at night. And it's, you know what's good for that, what's You know what's good for that? Chris Anderson's new book, Free, on your Kindle app. <laughs> and yeah, if the subject to... interests you at all, it's got its own little built-in light. Like, Jim won't even get on you for leaving a lamp on. It's beautiful. I, ha- I have to say that um, I have a problem with reading on my iPhone um, <laughs> due to my <laughs> way middle-aged you can... eyesight. <laughs> yeah, you can I, make I more try really reading big. on a phone, but I, I have a feeling that my eyesight's just gotten too bad, too. <laughs> You, you can make the text really, really big. I, well, and then, what, two lines? <laughs> you know? the screen, every yeah, four you, words, which right, really every, every flow. <laughs> Some short sentences sit on one page. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, when you, when you turn the phone sideways, you can use a pretty big font and still get a couple of sentences per page. It's not so bad, but, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Well, yeah. we, uh, I'm noticing we're actually, we're actually out of time. The 30 minutes has flown by. Much too quickly. Yes, it has. At least I can admit I'm a little bit worried about it. <laughs> can I talk for 30 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it turns out when Eric's not here, I do my best to talk more than I should. So that helps. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> no, you've been, you've been a, a great guest. So I, it was, I'm glad to have had you on today. And well, uh, let's see, should, I, should, I, should I point people to your website? We should do that. Um, it's, it's linked from blog critics anyway, right? So we might as well. Yeah. Okay, so Connie's website is constancephillips.com, C-O-N-S-T-A-N-C-E-P-H-I-L-L-I-P-S.com. And, of course, she is also the senior music editor for blogcritics.org. So if you go there, you'll see her name around the site frequently, in fact, and you can click through and get to her blog that way as well. Thank well, you. Uh, thank you very much. And uh, thank you, of course, to Lisa, who uh, I know was, was sick today. We didn't mention it, but uh, you've, oh. you've managed to recover sufficiently well and, and be awesome. better, Lisa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I rallied just for the occasion. Woohoo! Very good. <laughs> well, thank you both. This has been BC Radio Live. It is a production, a weekly production of blogcritics.org and is presented at blogtalkradio.com slash bcradio. Uh, please join us every week, Wednesday at 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, adjust for your local time zone, or don't bother. 
Just Catch It uh, archived shortly after each show ends. It's available for uh, streaming online. You can sign up for the podcast, have it delivered to you each and every week, listen to it on the MP3-capable device of your choice, and uh, we'll hopefully see you next week. <laughs>